thankful that you're in the house of God tonight. And I believe uh, that he will reward you for being here because he tells us he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. And I believe you've come to seek him. You've come to praise him. Over the last several weeks, we've been discussing the pursuit of godliness. I know I haven't been behind the pulpit here for a couple weeks now, but over the last several weeks, we've looked at what it means to be godly and how we can develop godliness in our lives. I know it's the holiday season, and I could be bringing you a Christmas message. I might save that for next week, but tonight I want to stay on the same track that I've been on. I believe it's where the Holy Spirit would have me stay. And the title of my message this evening is Train Yourself to be godly. I want to uh, pray before we go to the word of God. So he prepares my heart and he prepares your heart as well. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the wondrous love that we've sang about this evening. How amazing your love towards it, uh, towards us is father God, how you look past all of our faults and our frailties and our weaknesses. We, you looked just past us, Father God, and you, you loved us anyway. So we praise you for that tonight. God, I thank you for those that have gathered in your house this evening in your name. And I thank you, Father, that we didn't gather in vain, but that you're here in the midst of this place, Father God. Whether we have 20 or 2,000, God, uh, you're still here and your power is just the same. So, God, I pray for your anointing to rest upon me this evening, that you'd anoint my mind, my words, my body. That you would come against every hindering spirit and distracting spirit, any spirit of confusion, Father God, any any thievery that would try to take place, God, that would try to snatch your words from your people. And I pray that you would anoint them as well, God. Give them ears to hear, give them hearts to listen, and give every one of us, Father God, a spirit of obedience that we might be doers of your word and not hearers only. So we give you the praise tonight in Jesus' name, and we all said, Amen. The title of my message is... Based on one verse of scripture tonight, it's in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, and it probably will be the only scripture that I use all night. But I want to focus everything that I preach, everything that I bring to you tonight around this passage. In Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, Paul's writing to what we would say his spiritual son, Timothy. Timothy is Paul's underling. Timothy is Paul's apprentice, you might say. And he writes a letter to Paul and he says this in verse 7, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, Timothy, but rather train yourself to be godly. Other interpretations, other versions might say condition yourself to be godly or discipline yourself to be godly. And one of the first things we have to understand about godliness and concerning this passage is that godliness does not come instantly, church. There's no 30-minute spiritual workout that produces instant godliness in our lives. It's something that has to be conditioned. It's something that, that we have to train ourselves concerning. It's something we have to have discipline concerning in our lives. The reality is there's no simple three-step process uh, concerning godliness in our lives. There, it's, it's something that has to be established. There's no instant a Christ-like character that, that, I can, that I can put in a package and give to you this evening. It is something that has to be developed in our lives. The reality is God takes a lifetime to conform us to his image. 
God takes a lifetime to develop his own character and his own nature in our lives. And the reality is we have to afford him the opportunity to let that happen. Godliness doesn't come in a microwave box that we can stick into a spiritual oven and say, poof, 30 seconds later, I'm godly. It doesn't work that way, church. It must be developed in our lives and we must train for it is what Paul is telling us. The, the, the problem with modern Christianity, I'm going to take a moment to, to lay what we, to, to, to lay a foundation to give us an understanding of what we struggle with when it comes to godliness in modern Christianity. But the, the problem with modern Christianity is that it's just like society today where we want everything right now. We want everything immediately. We want everything instantly. We want everything right now. And, and, and we want it spiritually as well. Rather than allowing God's will to be developed in our lives, rather than allowing the character of God to be developed through our, in our lives, uh, through allowing God to take us wherever He wants to take us, church, we have this, this mentality that, that demands instant satisfaction from God as well. So often we as Christians have this mentality that I don't have time to wait on you, God. I need it right now. I need you to do a miracle right now. I need you to change my attitude right now. I need you to, to do a work in my marriage right now. I need you to, uh, you see, understand we need it right now. But, but the, the thing we have to understand when it comes to godliness is it has to be developed in our lives. It takes time. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes discipline. It takes exercise. It takes training. And this is what Paul was telling Timothy. He was saying, Timothy, if you want to be godly, if you want to be a reflection of Jesus Christ, you must train yourself to be godly. You see, the, the, the reality is we are, are part of an instant-minded society. Look around at our society, church. Take a walk up and down the, 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 the supermarket aisles. We have instant mashed potatoes. That we don't have to peel, that we don't have to mash, that we don't have to boil. All we got to do is put them in a pot, add some milk, and, and stir it over the, the stove. We have instant pudding that we don't have to toil over anymore and stir occasionally. While it turns into a nice, rich pudding, we have instant pudding. We have instant everything, church. We have instant photos that we no longer have to wait for them to be developed. We can look at them as soon as we take them. We have digital cameras where you snap and see. And it creates within us this, this instant mindset. We are an instant-minded society that wants everything right now. And, and, and society and the world... And the devil capitalizes on that. And the reality is, the way society has developed, it's changed us, church. It's changed our mindset. It's changed our disciplines. It's changed our work ethic. It's changed everything about us, church. What we have to understand today is that when it comes to, let's just say, food, there's no preparation required anymore. There's no toil, re, toiling required, no laboring required, no sweat of the brow required. All the work is taken out of it. We can just walk down the supermarket aisle and buy what we want and buy it when we want. We can drive up to a restaurant, a, a fast food restaurant, and speak into a speaker and say, this is what I want. And the reality is there's no laboring involved in that, no toiling involved in that. There, there's no work involved in that. We get what we want when we want it. 
And the sad reality is it begins to develop a dangerous mindset within us. And it carries over into our spiritual life as well. And I want to look at that, church. Understand, today, we don't have to till the ground in order to eat. Some people do. But as a society, we don't have to till the ground to eat. We don't have to rise up at the crack of dawn and load our shotgun and go out into the woods and kill a chicken or kill a deer or kill something to eat. We go to the supermarket and we get what we want. We don't have to plant the seed anymore. We don't have to water it. You understand what I'm saying? We don't have to weed the field. We don't have to get on our tractor. I know farmers do and some people do. But as a whole, society in America, we don't have to do that anymore. All we have to do is go to the supermarket. All we have to do is go to Kroger or Publix or our favorite food place and get a prepackaged meal that's ready to pop in the oven that we can enjoy in five minutes. When it used to take all day to get a meal ready. When there used to be some personal involvement in what was put on the table that we could enjoy. And I'm going somewhere with this church. Because with everything physical that takes place in our life, there is a spiritual parallel. And we have allowed society's mindset to infiltrate our spiritual mindset. And we have adopted the same mentality in our spiritual growth as we have what I'm talking about when it comes to feeding ourselves physically. We want someone else to do the work, church. You see, all we have to do, like I said, is go to the drive through window, get what we want. There's no investment. There's no labor. There's no preparation required. It's all done for us. The truth is, we eat peas that we buy at the store or that we buy at the market that someone else planted. You, you, you know, when you go to the store and you buy a bag of peas, someone else planted them. Someone else toiled over them. Someone else weeded the field. Someone else went out early in the morning and spent all day picking the peas. Someone else peeled them, popped them, whatever you want to say. Someone else boiled them, froze them, put them in a bag. Someone else did all the work. And all we got to do is pop the bag in the microwave and eat. And the reality is we do the same thing spiritually. And I'm going to talk about that, church, as we go. We have to understand that when it comes to the the, the meals that I'm talking about, we're enjoying the fruits of someone else's labor. And And the mindset of today's society has changed us. And I believe it's changed us for the worse. Physically, even as a nation, church, we are no longer a producing nation. We are a consuming nation. We let everyone else produce for us, and we just consume it. It's what's happening in America today. It's made us, this mindset that I'm talking about has made us lazy. It has made us dependent upon the labor of others. It's made us selfish and it's made us incompetent as well. I wonder sometimes if all the supermarkets went kaput, where we would be. We don't know how to dig a ditch. We don't know what a seed looks like. We don't know anything about those things. But we've grown dependent, church as a nation on someone else's labor. And we have grown dependent as a Christian on someone else's labor as well. And this is exactly what Paul is, is, is talking to Timothy about. He's telling Timothy, look, if you want to be godly, you got to train yourself. If you want to be godly, you got to discipline yourself. If you want a taste of good spiritual things, if you want to grow in the Lord and in the power of His might, there's some discipline and, and training that must take place in your life. And you can't count on someone else. 
You see, the reality is there's no spiritual supermarket that I can go to. I can't buy a box of godliness and eat it in the morning and say, Woohoo! I'm godly. You get what I'm saying? But we live that way. We live like I can just waltz into the house of God without any preparation, pastor preach a word over me, and poof, I'm godly. It doesn't work that way. Paul spoke to Timothy and said, Timothy, if you want to reflect the character of Christ, you must train yourself. If you want to be godly, you must train yourself to be godly. You see, Timothy, there's going to be a lot of lazy people out there. And if you follow them, you won't be like Christ. There's going to be a lot of individuals that try to shortcut and do this and do. But Timothy, if you want to be godly, if you want to have the character of Christ fully developed in your life, you've got to train yourself to be godly. Listen, if you want to be a good baseball player, you've got to train yourself to, to play baseball. You can't practice football and learn how to play baseball. You understand what I'm you you can't play you can't practice basketball all the time and expect to learn how to be something else. If we want to be like Christ, we got to train ourselves to be like Jesus Christ. If we want to be a reflection of the kingdom of God, we must train ourselves and devote ourselves and discipline ourselves to be a reflection of the kingdom of God. I'm going to continue to carry on that as we go. The reality is, like I said, we've carried so much of this microwave mentality into our spiritual lives and into the church as well, where we, where in the same way we, we allow people to prepare our meals for us, we want someone else to prepare our spiritual meals as well. We like to enjoy the fruit of someone else's labor. The reality is the house of God, and I'm not talking to you, I'm talking about the church in general. And if it hits me, it hits me, and if it hits you, it hits you. That's up to the Holy Spirit. That's not my job. My job is to bring the word that the Holy Spirit gave me. And if it allows you to see an area of your life where God is speaking and wants to develop you deeper, then you need to heed those words. But the reality is we, we have grown as a church. Uh, we, we, we've become people that don't want to do any tilling of our soul. Because tilling requires labor. Tilling might hurt. Tilling is a lot of work. Tilling digs up things that, that, that are hiding under the ground. And a lot of times we don't want anyone to see that. Sometimes we don't want to get out the pickaxe and we don't want to get out the rotors and we don't want to get out the shovels because it's hard work to be godly. It's hard work. To, to develop the character of Christ in our life. So we'd rather sit on our comfy, cozy Christian couch and let someone else do all the work. But Paul is saying, and the Holy Spirit is saying, if you want to be godly, you've got to train yourself to be godly. The reality is there's a lot of us in the house of God that don't like to get up early to sow the seed of God's Word into the soil of our soul. We'll let someone else do that for us. We don't want to get up at the break of dawn in order to have communion with the Father. You understand what I'm saying, church? We want, we want someone else to do all the work for us. We don't want to do the, the weeding and the tending of our heart because that's everyday work, God. Can I just do it on Sunday? Can I just do it on Wednesday? You know, when it comes to tending the garden, you gotta keep a constant watch over it. You gotta, you gotta prune it when it needs to be pruned, feed it when it needs to be fed, water it when it needs to be watered. Make sure that you got the right insecticides on it. If you want to enjoy a crop, you gotta take time to grow and develop that crop. 
And the same thing happens with us in our spiritual lives. If we want to be godly, we've got to do the same thing, church. We've got to invest ourselves in it. We don't want to labor for a spiritual crop in our lives. We simply listen, church. We simply want to show up once or twice a week. And I'm not saying this in a condemning way, but we'd rather show up once or twice a week and eat a meal that someone else prepared. We'd rather show up once or twice a week and eat a meal that someone else labored over. Someone else sought God over. Someone else fasted over. Someone else that, that, that laid before the Lord in order to develop a, reach, a, a rich, full, a protein, spiritually protein-rich meal. That's what we'd rather do. I'd rather roll into the house of God without any preparation, without, it, without having anything to do with the meal that's about to be served. And enjoy it that way. And then the saddest reality is we dare to critique the meal that's been served when we had nothing to do with its preparation. We come into the house of God 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes later. We've not gone before the Lord. We've, we've not examined the soil of our soul. We've not taken out the shovel before we even get here. We've not watered it with praise and watered it with worship. We've not, we've not asked God to, to search me, O oh Lord, and see if there's any way, wicked way within me so that when I come into the house of God, I can have a positive influence on the meal that's being served in the house of God. So that I can have something to do with, with what's being offered up in your house. We've gotten, we've, we've ill-equipped ourselves and we show up unprepared. We've got nothing to do with the meal and we dare criticize it when we walk out the door. We dare say, oh, the music was out and the pastor was out and this was that when we had nothing to do with the preparation. Let me tell you, church, when you get up two hours early, when you get on your face before God, when you praise and worship and get into the Word and ask God to make you a part of the service, then I'll listen to what you got to say. But until that time, be quiet. I'm not speaking this in a condemning way. I'm telling you where the church has gotten to. We're good at criticizing. We're food critics. We're spiritual food critics that go around from restaurant to restaurant eating and eating and eating. We got nothing to do with, with, with what's been fixed in the kitchen. But yet we'll write and talk all about how bad it was. Listen, it's time for us to put on an apron ourselves. It's time for us to toil in the kitchen of prayer and toil in the kitchen of the Word of God and toil in the presence of the Father. And say, what ingredient should I bring to the house of God today so that we can offer up a meal that's worthy of eating? I'm telling you, church, the reality is we are consumers. We come into the house of God and consume. And we've invested nothing. Nothing. We've got a handful of people that come in two hours early and they pray over the service. They saturate the sanctuary with prayer. They offer up the, uh, the, the prayers and the, and the praise, church. Why? So that when the pastor steps up to the pulpit, so that when the Word of God is opened, that it'll come forth and it'll be rich and it'll be full. Every single one of us should do that, church. Before we come into the house of God. But we stroll in 15, 20, 30 minutes late. Could care less. And then we think that if we sit here for the remainder of the service without any personal investment. And just hear the word of God that's been prepared by someone else. 
put together and packaged by someone else, that all of a sudden I'm going to be godly. Please understand me. Your godliness and my godliness has nothing to do with what pastor preaches on Sunday morning. Your godliness has nothing to do with what I'm doing this evening. Your godliness is up to you. Your godliness is up to your discipline and your training and your spiritual effort. Mine is the same way. The the level of my growth, I'll only grow as far as I'm willing to go. And the same thing goes for you. For all of us, church. Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, train yourself to be godly. Don't count on someone else. Don't wait on someone else. You see, we want someone else to do it for us. But the reality is godliness doesn't come to us that way. It doesn't come as a prepackaged microwave meal that's been prepared by someone else. It has to be developed in our own personal lives, church. And we must work at producing it. It's exactly why Paul said, train yourself to be godly, Timothy. Exercise yourself. Discipline yourself to be godly. Like I said, this might be the only passage that I use, but it's exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to me or to us. So I don't even need to bring you other scriptures because everything that I preach to you tonight is going to be based on this one passage. In this passage of scripture that we read, we discover that even though Timothy was under Paul's tutelage, even though Timothy was a student of the greatest New Testament author that we know, One of the greatest apostles that we know, even though Timothy had been Paul's companion and co-worker and ministered with him for a number of years, Paul knew that his influence alone wasn't enough to make Timothy godly. So he spoke to Timothy and he said, Timothy, train yourself to be godly. Paul felt it necessary to write Timothy and exhort him to train himself to be godly. And if Timothy needed it, we need it. If Timothy who was a student of Paul. If Timothy, who was a student of the greatest New Testament author we know, the greatest apostle, the one who wrote half, or more than half of the New Testament, if Timothy needed to be exhorted, how much more do we need to be exhorted? If Timothy had to be encouraged to, to train himself in godliness, how much more do we need to train ourselves? If Timothy had to train himself to be godly, while he was surrounded and under the tutelage of the greatest preacher in the, in the New Testament, how much more do we need to train ourselves to be godly church? Look, look. In urging Timothy to pursue godliness as a way of life, Paul uses a term from the athletic world of the day, which was to exercise. It was to discipline. It was to train. In this letter of exhortation that Paul wrote to Timothy, He was telling Timothy that if you want to be godly, you have to train yourself just like the athletes do. That if you want to be godly, you have to exercise and discipline yourself spiritually just like these athletes that you see every single day that are preparing for the games, that want to win a prize, a gold crown that's perishable. If you want to be godly, Timothy, you've got to train yourself spiritually just like these athletes are training themselves physically and mentally without any compromise. You must train yourself You see, Jesus always used symbolism. He always used something that the people could look at and say, yeah, I get it. And it was easy for Timothy to understand that. The Roman games, the Olympiads, all of that stuff, it was so prevalent and prominent in that society. 
Everyone could understand what Paul was saying here. If, if I want to be godly, I've got to put in the same effort. I've got to put in the same time. I've got to make the same sacrifice. I've got to sweat. I've got to toil. I've got to work. I've got to get up early. I've got to do things that, that other people won't do. That other people make excuses for. But if I want to be godly, if I want to win the, the, the imperishable prize, I better set myself apart. I better set some standards for my life. I better learn how to train myself to be godly. And I better not wait for someone else to do it. Train myself. If Timothy wanted to be godly, he would have to exercise himself just like the others. And we've got to do the same. As we look closely at Paul's letter, we discover several principles for training that still apply to our lives today. And in the moments that I have remaining in the service, it's what I want to focus on this evening. The three principles of training. Three principles that our training regimen must contain if we want to be godly. I don't know if I'll get to three. I know I'll at least get to two, I hope. We'll see how the Holy Spirit leads. But the first principle I want us to look at this evening is one of personal responsibility. Personal accountability, personal commitment, personal devotion, personal dedication to pursuing godliness in our lives. If you look at the Word of God, in 1 Timothy 4, 7, the only passage that I've been using, Paul says this. He says, train yourself, Timothy. Because the truth is, Timothy was personally responsible for his own progress in godliness. Timothy was responsible for his own spiritual growth. Timothy was responsible for developing the character of Christ in his life personally, and he could not uh, relinquish that task to someone else. Neither can I, and neither can you. You see, Paul said, Timothy, train yourself. Train yourself, Timothy. I know I'm, a, I know I'm a, a great apostle. I know I'm a preacher of the word and a teacher of the word. I, I know that the anointing of God is upon me. I know that I could be a good influence in your life, Timothy. But if you want to be godly, guess what? You can't count on me. You've got to train yourself. And you see, the problem with us in church today is we want someone else, like I said, to do all the training. We want someone else to make all the sacrifices. We want someone else to pray and someone else to fast and someone else to read the Word of God. But Paul is saying, do it yourself. Because unless you do it yourself, unless you learn to do it yourself, you can't be godly. Unless you learn to develop these things yourself. Unless you discipline yourself and exercise yourself, Timothy. In the spiritual disciplines of life, you won't be godly. It's the first principle we have to understand, that we have a personal responsibility. Paul never said, Timothy, let someone else train for you. He never said, let someone else till the soil and toil for you and plant for you and harvest for you. He never said, go find someone else that will pray for you and read the word of God for you. He never said, go find someone that will go to church for you or get up early for you or or tarry late for you. You understand what I'm saying? Paul never said that. He said, if you want to be godly, train yourself, Timothy. If you want to be godly, train yourself, Jeff. If you want to be godly, train yourself, Daryl. If you want to be godly, church, train yourself. Discipline yourself. Get up off the comfy, cozy Christian couch and begin to work towards the character of God in your life. That's exactly what Paul was saying. It's exactly what he was saying. We have to take uh, the same personal responsibility in our lives. Train yourself. 
to be godly. We must take personal responsibility for our spiritual growth instead of depending on someone else's work, someone else's labor. Listen, there's nothing wrong with someone praying for you. There's nothing wrong with someone fellowshipping and coaching you and encouraging you. There's nothing wrong with those things. But listen to me, church. Sometimes you're going to find yourself in a place where no one else is around. Sometimes you're going to find yourself at a dead-end road or in a desert situation where you think God himself is a million miles away. And it's exactly why Paul was telling Timothy, you must train yourself to be godly, Timothy, because you're going to find yourself in a place where you're all by yourself. You might find yourself in a prison cell in the middle of the night. You might find yourself in a lion's den. You might find yourself in a fiery furnace. You might find yourself in a wilderness situation. You might find yourself all alone all by yourself. And the only thing that's going to get you through, Timothy, is the fact that you have trained yourself for that moment. That you've trained yourself in godliness. That you've trained yourself to have the character of God so that no matter what happens in my life and no matter what comes in my life, I will be able to reflect the character and the nature of God in my life. You see, the ones that aren't trained are the ones that fall apart. The ones that aren't trained are the ones that run all over the place trying to get an answer. The ones that aren't trained and disciplined are the ones that are relying on everyone else to solve their problem and, 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 and ease their, their pain. Listen, there's nothing wrong with asking your brother to pray for you, but sometimes you've got to get up off your seat and stop woe is me and, and do something about it. Train yourself, Paul said. I don't mind you you come to me and ask me a question, Paul is saying. I don't mind that you come and ask me to agree with you in prayer. But train yourself, son. Train yourself. If you want to mature in the Lord, you've got to train yourself. You get what I'm saying, church. It's what Paul is speaking and the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church. Please understand, if I want to build my muscles, I can't sit around and watch you work out. If I want to build my muscles, i got to do more than go to the gym and watch everybody else and say, Wow, they're doing a good job. Always pumping 200 pounds, leg pressing 500 pounds. Woo! That makes me strong. Might motivate you, but it ain't going to help you lift the weights. You understand what I'm saying? But that's the way we are spiritually. Oh, wow, I love the way they worship. Oh, wow, I love the way they dance. Oh, wow, I love the way they... Get what I'm saying? But when God asks you to do it yourself, don't ask me that, God. But you see, that's all part of training ourselves. We'd rather let somebody else do it. I can't go to the gym and watch someone else work out for me. But we do that all the time. I can't, if I want to lose weight, I can't ask you to stop eating. I got to press away from the table myself. I got to go on a diet myself. I got to call Jenny Craig. Or I got to join a gym. Or I got to do something else if I want to lose weight. I can watch you push away from the table all day long. But until I discipline myself, guess what? I'm not going to lose weight. And, and the same thing goes for us spiritually, church. If we're not willing to discipline and train ourselves, 
we're not going to see the effects that we want. Unfortunately, the sad reality is when it comes to spiritual training today, I've been there, church. The devil tries to put me there even today. We can have a tendency to be lazy. Have a tendency to wait on someone else. Well, you know what? Pastor's all prayed up. Choir's all sung up. Musicians are all practiced up. Prayer team's been here two hours early. It's going to be a great service. But where's our investment? Where's our training? Where's our input? Where's our involvement? You see, we, we have the tendency to let someone else do all the work for us. And God is just saying to us, listen, I've called you. Remember, Peter asked a question. What type of people should we be between now and the time the Lord returns? And he answers it and he says, you're supposed to be godly people. And if that's truly the desire of our heart for us to be godly while we wait for the coming of the Lord, we have to train to be godly. We can't just sit around and expect godliness to fall in our laps. It doesn't work that way. We wish it would. I think sometimes we think all it needs, all we got to do, God, make me godly. Oh, God, I want to be godly so bad. God, make me godly. And we think, you know, come wave a magic godly wand over our head and poof, we're godly. It doesn't work that way. It's not what God's word says. And God's not a man that he should lie. God, God means what he speaks. And he says to us, look, if you want to be, listen, I'm justified. You don't have to do anything to be justified. I've sent you my son, Jesus Christ. He shed his blood. And because of his blood, I'm justified. I'm just as if I'd never sinned. But if you want to be godly, if you want to have the character of Christ in your life, if you want to be a reflection of the kingdom of God, you've got to discipline yourself. You've got to do what others aren't willing to do. You've got to live like other people won't live. You've got to sacrifice like others won't sacrifice. You've got to get up early while others sleep in. You get what I'm saying, church. You've got to discipline yourself. I can't, earn, I can't work my way into salvation. I can't work my way into justification. But the Word of God makes it clear that I've got to discipline myself to be godly. To be a reflection of God. Now listen, God provides the power for me to be godly, but I still have to apply it. He's given me everything I need pertaining to life and godliness, the Bible says. But guess what? I've got to apply it myself. Sad reality is when it comes to our business, when it comes to our homes, when it comes to our education or pursuing a a great physique, when it comes to, to taking care of our finances and sometimes even our ministries, church, we can be quite disciplined and devoted to attaining those goals. We're willing to make all sorts of sacrifices in order to get ahead financially. We're willing to make all sorts of sacrifices and investments in order to climb the ladder of a success or to keep up with the Joneses or to keep up appearances. We're willing to make all sorts of sacrifices and, 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 and give all sorts of time and go through all sorts of toil when it comes to the things of the world. But when it comes to all things spiritual... Oh, God, I think I'll sleep in today. We're not willing to do the work. For some reason, when it comes to all things spiritual, we we prefer someone else to do all the work. We want one of those microwave meals presented up to us, already prepared by somebody else, church. We can't do that. We can't expect, like I said, the choir to be the ones that get here early. 
We can't expect the prayer team to do all the preparation. We can't expect the pastor to be the only one that tarries throughout the week. I wonder how many of us have ever in the middle of the week gone to the Lord and said, God, I, I just pray for a divine word to be given to our pastor. I pray for him this week, God, because I know the devil's going to try to distract him and disrupt him from bringing forth a meal that's worthy to be served on Sunday morning. I wonder how many of us have lifted him up like that. I'm just as guilty. Well, you know, we come strolling into the house of God and we just want to consume. It does. Godliness isn't developed that way, church. We have to learn that. We wonder why we struggle in our faith. Because all we do is come to church and eat a meal that someone else has prepared, like I've already said. Someone else has put it together. Someone else has tarried. The truth is far too many Christians are eating prepackaged spiritual meals that require nothing of themselves. No tilling of the soil. No toiling over our situation. No seeding, no weeding, no harvesting, no preparation, no exercising, no developing or training going on in our lives. And we wonder why we're not fit. We wonder why we're defeated. We wonder why we're weak. We wonder why things aren't moving in our life. We wonder why there's no growth. We wonder why there's no joy. We wonder why our marriages are falling apart and our kids are wandering all over the place. We wonder, church, why? Uh, it's because we've not, these things are happening because we're not training ourselves like we should be training ourselves, church. Understand, Paul was saying to Timothy, I can't till for you, Timothy. I can't toil for you, Timothy. I can't train for you. You've got to train yourself. I can't read the Word of God for you, Timothy. You've got to read the Word of God yourself. I can't pray for you. You've got to pray for yourself. Understand what I'm saying? Yes, I can pray for you. But I can't do your praying. I can't do the praying for you. You've got to learn to pray for yourself. I can't worship for you on Sunday morning. I can't worship for, uh, uh, for, uh, for you when you find yourself in a hellish situation. I can't worship for you when you're in the house. I, I can't do it for you, Timothy. You've got to do it yourself. I can't make the sacrifice for you. I can't pay your tithes for you. I can't give for you. I can't serve for you. You must learn to discipline yourself, Timothy. And we've got to learn the same thing. But the reality is it's the way so many of us leave, live our lives. We want someone else to do it for us. Listen, when it comes to catching a fish, if you're a fisherman, if you've been fishing, I don't care how nice a boat you have. I don't care how powerful the motor might be. I don't care how much you paid for your fancy rod and reel. I don't care how many fancy lures you got in your tackle box. I don't care... Uh, how big the lake is. I don't care how secret your special fishing spot is. The reality is, unless you climb on that boat, unless you bait your hook, unless you throw it in the water, you're not going to catch anything. You can ride around that lake from sunup to sundown. But until you bait your hook and cast the line into the sea, guess what? You're not fishing. You're just floating. And the reality is, that's the way some of us are in our Christian life. We're just floating around. We're waiting to catch a big one. We're waiting to catch holiness. And we're waiting to catch joy. And we're waiting to catch the anointing. And we're waiting to catch favor. And we're waiting to catch the, the goodness and the blessings of God. We're waiting to catch the big one. 
But we've never thrown anything into the sea. We've never prepared ourselves for the anointing. We've never prepared ourselves for the ministry. We've never sacrificed for the favor. We've never devoted ourselves for the goodness of God to be bestowed upon our lives. We're just floating through Christianity. Well, I'm just living by faith, God. Listen, sometimes that's foolishness. I just live in my faith. Now, you know why? Sometimes you've got to get up and do something. Listen, the reality is, I said it before, God has given us everything we need pertaining to life and right. Everything. He's given us our boat. He's given us our motor. He's given us our rod. He's given us our reel. He's given us a tackle box and all kinds of fancy lures and gizmos. He's given us a secret. Special fishing spot. He has given us everything we need pertaining to life and righteousness. And the only reason we're not godly is because we're not using any of it. We're letting everybody else use it. We're just floating around. Floating around. Expecting to catch a big one. The reality is if you want to be godly, Paul said, you must discipline Train. Practice. You've got to get on that boat and you've got to begin to do something in order to acquire godliness. The second principle that we find in Paul's letter, the first principle that has to be in place is that we, church, we must train ourselves. We can't rely on anyone else. That was the first principle. The second principle we find in Paul's letter is that the objective of our training is growth. The objective or the end goal of our spiritual training should always be spiritual growth. If, if the objective of your spiritual training, if the objective of your spiritual uh, devotion and discipline and sacrifice and training, if, if it is not spiritual growth, then your objective is wrong. If your objective for spiritual training, if your objective of praising God in the house of God, if your objective for giving a big sum of money, if, if, your, if your objective of serving in the house of God is for recognition, if it's for position, if it's for power, if it's for prestige, I want you to understand that your objective is wrong. I want you to understand that the only objective we should have when it comes to worshiping God, when it comes to reading the Word of God, when it comes to praying, when it comes to ministering, when it comes to sacrificing and toiling and getting up early and going to bed late and doing good godly things, if, if, if our sole objective is not to grow spiritually, our objectives are wrong. Our objectives are wrong. The very... Soul, most important objective to all of our training, regardless of what it is, should be to grow. Should be to grow. If you've got no desire to grow, something's wrong. It establishes our direction. It is, it is the sole symbol of spiritual maturity. Growth is evidence of life. Growth is evidence that something is working inside of me. Growth is the evidence that the Spirit of God is moving in my life. Growth is evidence that I have been grafted in, that I've not separated myself unto myself, that I'm not doing what's right in my own eyes, that I'm not walking in my own ways, that I'm not living according to the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Growth is a sign that I am connected with the Spirit of God in my life and He's flowing through me. 
It's evidence, church. So it should be our sole objective because it's what everybody else looks at. It's what everybody else sees. They will know you by your fruit, the Bible says. Listen, a tree that don't have fruit ain't growing right. A flower that never blooms isn't growing right. There's something wrong. You understand what I'm saying? And God is saying, look, you're that tree and you should grow. You're that plant and you should grow. You're that crop and you should produce. There should be growth. Growth is profitable to the master. A harvest that, that, that doesn't grow brings no profit to the farmer. Guess what he does? He cuts it down and he starts all over. Please understand me. God is looking for a people that have the evidence of spiritual growth in their life. And Paul was telling Timothy, if you want to be profitable to the master... If you want to be an asset to the kingdom of God, you've got to train yourself in godliness so that you can grow. So that you can grow. That should be really the sole goal of our training, to grow. When the athletes go into training, they are training for one reason. It's to win a prize, to win the goal. And they know that they've got to get stronger They know they've got to become more skilled. They know their endurance level has to be there. They know that their cardio, everything about them has to be at peak operation, peak capacity if they want to win. And the same thing goes for us. If we want to operate at a high anointed level in the kingdom of God, we cannot just come into the house of God and say, okay, God, I'm a consumer today. Do you get what I'm saying? We can't just stroll into the house of God and eat. We have to discipline and train and sacrifice and do all of those things to put us in a position where we can win a prize that is imperishable. The objective of going to school should be to grow in wisdom and knowledge. The objective of working out, like we talked about earlier, is it should be to grow in strength or to grow in endurance or to grow even in our health. The objective of investing money should be to grow our finances. But the objective of all of those trainings, church, is growth. But keep in mind, I only benefit from what I am willing to do myself. You only benefit from what you're willing to do yourself. Like I said earlier, if I work out my muscles, my muscles grow, not yours. If I exercise and and if I exercise my mind, my mind grows, not yours. If I exercise my spirit, my spirit grows. Not yours. You get what I'm saying? Whatever area I decide to train in, I'm the one that grows in that area. Whatever area of life, spiritually or physically, that you decide to train in, you're the one that grows. And we've got to understand that spiritually, that it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. It doesn't matter how much this person reads and how much that person prays and how much that person fasts. What matters to me for my spiritual growth and the development of godliness in my life is what I am willing to do myself. We have to understand that, church. The truth is... Paul wanted nothing more than for Timothy to grow in godliness. Paul, as his teacher, Paul, as his spiritual father, wanted nothing more than to see Timothy grow in grace and in the knowledge of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul wanted nothing more than for Timothy to grow in the the character of God and in the nature of God. He wanted nothing more than to see growth in young Timothy's life. We look at our children the same way. If you have kids, you want nothing more than to see them grow up healthy, to grow up strong, to to grow up and, and have a meaningful life. Timothy, Paul spiritually wanted the same thing for Timothy. He wanted him to grow up and be mature. 
He wanted them to grow up and be strong. He wanted them to grow up and be independent. He wanted them to grow up and be able to take care of themselves spiritually. He wanted to grow up to be a man that could teach someone else and encourage someone else and be an asset to the kingdom of God. And we've got to do the same thing. Listen, you can't just sit around and expect to get rich. You've got to work at it. You sit around all day. Oh, I want to get rich. I want to get rich. I want a million dollars. I want to win the lottery. I want all these things. But listen, you've got to work at it. You can't win the lot. You can't even win the lottery unless you go buy a ticket. You've got to do something. I'm not telling you to go buy one. But if you win, make sure you tithe on it. What I'm saying is, if you want to be rich, you've got to work at it. If you want to be in good physical shape, you've got to, be, you've got to work at it. If, if you want to get smarter, if you want more wisdom, more knowledge in some area of business where you'd like to advance and succeed, you've got to work at it. You can't just take a book on finances and, and look at the cover and say, okay, that's what I want. You've got to read it. Understand what I'm saying? We have to exercise at church. And the same thing goes, you can't sit around and simply wait to be godly. Okay, God, I'm here. Make me godly. God is saying, no. If you want to be godly, train yourself. Look, one of the difficulties we have in the house of God with some people is they look at pastor, they look at someone super spiritual, and they say, I want to be just like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you can't go from a newborn babe to a wise old man overnight. you got to grow into it. There's some things you've got to learn. There's some things you've got to experience. There's some sacrifices you've got to make. You can't just get there. Oh, boy, it aggravates me to no end. Before I came to pastor the church, I worked in the secular business. And when Tracy and I first moved down here and, and interviewed people to work for our company, it just amazed me. How they all wanted a, a high-up position. How they all wanted high-up money. But none of them were willing to work for it. None of them were prepared to even get a fraction of the wage that they would have gotten if they were prepared. If they had made the sacrifices. If they had done the schooling. If they had even called a, a, and studied to find out what my company does and how they could bene- benefit my company. How we interviewed people that came into the office didn't even know what we did. And I'm thinking, and you want a position. You've not done anything. Not done anything to prepare for success. And the thing, and yet we want it. We, we live in a society where, man, uh, 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 teenage kids, young adults, man, they want to r- ride Rolls Royces and BMWs. But they're not willing to do anything to get there. They want to sit in the CEO seat. But they don't want to have to go through what he went through to get there. We got individuals in ministry. Man, I want a thousand member church just like Pastor Matura. But they're not willing to do what it took for him to get here. They're not willing to sacrifice and pray and cook in a spiritual kitchen. They're not willing to tarry before the Lord. They're not willing to weep bitter tears. They're not willing to do those things. Please understand what I'm saying. If we want to be godly got to discipline ourselves to be godly we can't just sit around and say okay god i'm ready to grow but that's what we do we've got to grow ourselves listen i'm going to start winding this down even though timothy was an experienced well-qualified minister of the gospel he still needed to grow in the essential areas of godliness that we've talked about over the last few weeks 
Paul knew that Timothy, even though he was his student, even though he was well-versed in all the scriptures, he could memorize, speak the, the Old Testament word of God. He was skilled as a teacher of the word of God. Timothy was. He was devoted to God. But Paul knew that Timothy, just like Paul knew himself, had to grow in, in, in the fear of God. Had to grow in the knowledge of the love of God like we sang about tonight. I'm amazed at your love, God. We need to be continually growing in our fear of the Lord and who He is and that understanding of that He is the Creator and I'm the creation. He's the potter and I'm the clay. We need to be continually growing in that. We need to continue to grow in our understanding of the love of God, which makes Him so awesome the more we understand it. And the more awesome He becomes to us, the more we want to to serve Him, the more we want to love on Him, the more we want to do what's right for Him, the more we want to uh, glorify Him in word and in deed, the more I know Him, the more I will praise him the more i understand his love the more i love him in return church paul understood that timothy needed to grow in those areas he needed to grow in fellowship he needed to grow in devotion he needed to grow in 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 his desire to be in the constant presence of god and we've got to do the same if we want to glorify god preach the before i'll preach it again if from the time you got saved To where you are today. You've not grown. In your fear of God. Or in your. Understanding of the. Affection and the love of God. If you've not grown in your desire. uh, To be in the presence of God. To to be in his word. And to be in his house. if, If you've not grown in those areas. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's not right in our spiritual lives when we don't have the desire to be in the presence of an amazing, all-powerful, almighty God. Something's wrong, church. And the only thing that's wrong is the fact that we're not training. We're not training. We're not doing what's required. We're not growing. These things, we need to grow these things in our life. And it's what Paul was telling Timothy, and it's what the Holy Spirit is telling us. We need to continue to grow in these areas. The truth is, if you haven't grown, you haven't been training. It's that simple. If you don't see spiritual growth in your life, if, if the character of Christ is not improving in your life, and, and, and the things of God are not advancing and multiplying in your life, the, the answer is easy. The fact is, we're just not training like we should be training. We're not disciplining ourselves like we should be disciplining ourselves. Maybe we're not making the sacrifices that we need, or in the Word that we need, or praying like we need. But the simple fact is, we're just not training like we should. If you want to be godly, Timothy said, or Paul said, train yourself. The truth is, godliness doesn't just happen. You have to grow into it. And I'm going to close with this. It's like an outfit that you buy for a child that's too big for them at the moment. And a lot of you feel like, if you have kids, you've probably been there, especially ladies. Oh, I just love, maybe you don't even wait for, I love this outfit, but it's it's too big for them. My daughter just had a child. I'm you know, my grandpappy now. But she's got all sorts of, all sorts of clothes, little Lila, her name is, that she can't fit into yet. They're beautiful. They're gorgeous. They're lovely. They're soft and they're cuddly. They'll look great on her, but she doesn't fit in them yet. And the reality is she has to grow into them. She has to grow into it. 
Three months from now, she'll fit in some of those. Six months from now, she'll fit in some of those. But she has to grow into it. And all I could think was that, and I know parents that have been in this place. They've got this outfit for their kid, and they're waiting for their child to grow into it. But for some reason, the child's not growing. For some reason, three months later, six months later, they get concerned because that outfit still doesn't fit. Child's not growing in weight, not growing in size. They're not developing like they should be developing. And and I promise you, church, if that was you, because I know the parents that have had those kids, and I've had kids myself. I don't think that you know, I didn't think my kids were developing. Man, I'd be on. We'd be on the phone with the doctor right away. We wouldn't hesitate. Ah. Doc, she's, I, I'm concerned. I, I don't think she's growing. I don't think he's growing, not gaining enough weight. That's the way it is, church. If, if, there, if there's not proper growth in the children that we love, in the, in the babies that, that we have, we immediately are concerned. We immediately call the doctor and say, what can I do, doc? What's the problem? What's the matter? What can I do to, to solve this, to, to cause some growth? And the doctor might pre- prescribe something. And the reality is, the best example that I can give is when it comes to godliness, it too is something we must grow into. It doesn't happen overnight. We've got to grow into it. Every day, get a little bit stronger. Every day, we get a little bit closer. Every day, we get a little bit bigger. Every day, we come a little bit closer to finally fitting in this thing and being comfortable in this thing called godliness. But here's the point. Uh, One of the points I want to make... If there's something, you got this question, God, why am I not fitting in it yet, God? Why am I not, why am I not godly yet? Why, why am I still struggling with these things? Why am I, why am I still being overcome? Why, why doesn't godliness fit me like it should? The Holy Spirit is simply saying, you got to train, son. You got to train, daughter. You've got to make some sacrifices. You've got to exercise the spiritual muscles of your life. And when you do, you'll grow. When you do this, 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 this robe, this garment of godliness will fit you just right. And it will look, listen, it will look like Jesus. It will look like God. It will sound like God. It, 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 will, it will talk like God. It, it will move like God. It will love like God. It will, it will minister like God. But the reality is, the Holy Spirit is saying, you've got to grow. You've got to train yourself. I'm not even going to be able to get to the third one tonight, but the question is tonight, you're, you're, you, God, my, de- my desire truly is to be godly. My desire is to, to grow into this thing called godliness. And, and tonight, God, I'm willing to take personal responsibility for my spiritual growth. I've been a little lazy, God. I've been a little complacent, God. I've been counting on somebody else and depending on someone else. I, I, I'm really not helped to prepare the, the spiritual meals in my life. Maybe in my marriage. Maybe in my family. Maybe in the house of God. Maybe in ministry. But if you're you're here tonight and your honest desire, God, I'm willing to take personal responsibility to grow in godliness. I want you to stand to your feet because that's going to be our prayer this evening. That we grow in this garment called godliness. And I can't stress it anymore. You're the one, the Holy Spirit is saying, that has to grow into it. Listen, I can feed you. Pastor can feed you. 
Other people can encourage you. But listen, if all you do is eat what I give you, you're going to get fat. If all you do is eat what the pastor gives you, you'll become unhealthy spiritually. Understand what I'm saying. You've got to exercise what you've been given. You've got to work out and work off what the Holy Spirit has put into your soul so that you truly can become a, a muscular, mature Christian for the kingdom of God. If that's your heart's cry tonight, that's what you tell God tonight. God, here I am. I need a spiritual workout. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do. Don't, don't make a promise you can't keep. Don't try to be the pastor overnight. Don't try to stand in a pulpit tomorrow. Start somewhere and say, God, I'm just willing to start. I'm going to exercise so I can be like you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word this evening. I so thank you for your Holy Spirit, God, who's come to teach us and train us this evening. I thank you, God, that you've not come to condemn us. You've not come to rebuke us. You've come to empower us, God, to live godly lives, to be an example of Jesus Christ. And sometimes getting there is difficult. Sometimes being like you is not an easy thing, God, for us. But, but I thank you for a group of people that are willing to take personal responsibility tonight. I'm part of the number, God. I'm saying, God, I, I'm willing to take personal responsibility for the spiritual condition of my soul. God, there's times that, that all of us have been lazy. There's times that all of us have sat on our comfy, cozy Christian couch watching the, 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 the spiritual world go by, watching others build the kingdom, watching others pray, watching others serve and sacrifice. But tonight, God, you're calling us off that couch. Tonight you are calling ourselves to, to discipline ourselves and train ourselves like the athlete. Tonight you're calling us to, to, to train ourselves to be godly. So, God, I pray that you would help us shake off the slumber, to shake off the excuses, to shake off all of those things, Father God, that would get in the way of your people becoming mature saints in the kingdom of God. God, help us take personal responsibility. For some of us, God, we got to get up early. For some of us, we got to read a little bit more. For some of us, we got to do a better job of being prepared before we come into the house of God. For some of us, we got to uh, do some other things, God. You know what they are, and I trust that your Holy Spirit will speak them into our lives. I believe God entrusted every one of us in this house tonight. You have spoken something to that we can do, God, pertaining to godliness. And I pray that you would take that seed and cause it to grow. I pray that you would take that word, Father God, and let it bear fruit in our lives. Fruit that will last. Fruit that will endure. Fruit that can go through the drought. Fruit, Father, that will last through the difficult times. Help us to grow, God. Help us to discipline ourselves. Help us to be who you've called us to be between now and the time you come. And that is godly people. Help us, Father God, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And through his anointing, I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Can we bless the Lord tonight, church? Amen. If you have a special need, want to bring it before the Lord, we'd be happy to tarry with you and pray. Otherwise, be blessed and go in the name of the Lord. Amen. God bless you as you train to be godly. Amen.